Hi, my name is Titi Mutendi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of Enterprising Families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Enterprising Families and on this episode of Enterprising Families I am excited to have with me Julie Keys and we're going to be speaking about exit planning for family business. I would like Julie to just introduce herself before we jump into the topic of the day today. Well thanks so much for having me on the show Titi. it's great to be here. Um, as you said my name is Julie Keys. I am a certified exit planning advisor. I'm based out of Minnesota uh, used to be out of the Twin Cities, and I moved north, so I live um, in the central part of the state. Uh, my work is done all over the country, really. Um, clients in different parts of the country, in different uh, industries, different company sizes, um, all focused on transition planning, and many of them are family businesses, so it's really great to be on Enterprising Families and talk about this work. Well, thank you so much for joining me. So as we jump into the topic of the day, which is exit planning for family businesses, it's the beginning of the year. And uh, as we know, when New Year comes, we're we're thinking about new beginnings. And some of those new beginnings means um, ending journeys. And with family businesses, especially with the the downturn happening with um, the depression going on, this has become something that family businesses have had to face even before um, 2023, when we're going through COVID, a lot of changes were happening. So if you could just unpack for us, Julie, what exit planning has looked like over the past three years going into 2023? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think, well, let me just um, share with you a specific distinction that we use in exit planning terminology. And and we call it the five Ds. And the five Ds are comprised of, and they're not pleasant, okay? Uh, death, divorce, disagreement, uh, disaster, and um, disability. So obviously everyone has a time when they're gonna die, but many times there's a death and people are ill-prepared. There's no estate planning done. Um, when, when it's a family business, many times the founder or, or the you know, president of the company, the owners of the company don't necessarily have their plans laid out. And so people aren't really sure what their wishes are. And, and I've heard these stories and, and experienced them myself so many times. And, and, so, and then there's disability and people get sick and people um, don't have plans for contingency, right? And so to your question about since the pandemic, from three years ago, uh, that has just accelerated the need so much more for business owners to actually take action to safeguard and de-risk themselves when it comes to the five Ds. Disability is one, right? You can get in an accident, you can get sick, you can't work anymore. Disagreement between partners. I think that tensions have been running high for business owners, um, especially the last few years, because there's been so much uncertainty and so many things they've had to do to pivot. And 
disagreements occur because people don't see eye to eye, they don't align, you know, and then of course there's all these emotions that are part of that. And, and it could be shareholders, it could be stakeholders, it could be a combination. And, and it can really derail the growth and improvement plans of a business when they're constantly trying to unravel and take the knots out of, of communication and out of, you know, these, those contentious um, situations that they can find themselves in. And then there's disaster, which of course we could all call COVID-19 a disaster in one form or another. You know, some business owners suffered more than others did, and some didn't make it at all. And, uh, but it can definitely be a disaster when you don't have contingency plans in place for when certain things can happen. Now that's one form. Another form, of course, could be a cyber attack. We all know that those are on the rise. Um, we also know that uh, natural disasters can occur, right? Man-made disasters can occur. And so those are all forms of, of de-risking um, categories that a lot of business owners can find themselves struggling with and suffering from because they haven't made plans. Now, this applies obviously to family businesses or or any 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 business, any privately held business, everyone, even publicly held, all need to safeguard themselves um, against these five Ds. And then I think uh, di divorce is probably the one I haven't addressed yet. And when we're talking about people that have ownership in a business, um, there can happen, you know, that that marriages are dissolved. And if you don't have your documentation properly arranged and and you know airtight by cell agreements that articulate everything that needs to occur if something like that happens, then you could end up being in business with somebody's spouse, or you could end up um, not being able to sell your interest to your partner if something happens. So a lot of different things that when we when we talk about exit planning, we kind of start with that because it seems that a lot of smaller businesses are at risk and they don't even realize that they're at risk. And I don't mean to be Debbie Downer here. Um, because there are other things too that we want to focus on. We want to focus on the positives when it comes to legacy planning. And I know that you're heavily involved in that with Nikkei in your work in family business. Um, and I think when it comes to legacy planning, I think that I've seen business owners uh, in family businesses not be so bent on making sure that they can leave a legacy as much as they used to be. Like they're, they're more interested now in looking at what all of their options are for transition versus making sure that it never, ever leaves the bloodline. Maybe it's because of everything that they've had to go through over the last few years. And maybe, maybe it's just, it, it's, it makes sense for them to, to look and see, okay, well, what, what could my options be? And, and does it really need to be all or nothing? Unfortunately, I think that a lot of business owners believe that when it comes to exit, that it has to be all or nothing. And it really doesn't. Now, they don't have to take all their chips off the table. Um, if they really want to leave a legacy, but they also need the capital, right? Say, for instance, they've got, I'm sure you run into this all the time, where they have um uh, different generations that want to be a participant in ownership of the business, mm -hmm. but they lack the capital to be able to buy in. They, they mm -hmm. can't buy into the business. And, and many times if it's a smaller company, the owners are like, well, I, I, I need, you know, some of this, uh, I need some kind of liquidity event because I need, you know, to invest it in, and save for my retirement or be able to support myself. And so there are ways, you know, that you can structure these transitions where everybody wins, where they're still able to leave a legacy, 
the owner takes some chips off the table. Um, perhaps there's a, a minority partner that comes in to help with the recapitalization so that, you know, at some point they can grow and, and turn the business and then buy that uh, minority partner out and really be in a position where they are definitely carrying on the legacy. So don't mean to be rambling here, but these are some of the things, especially over the last few years that I've been running into that I didn't before um, that seem to be a lot more pronounced. There's so much to unpack from what you've said. And I think um, <laughs> keeping those five Ds in mind um, really mm -hmm. helps because um, I think exit planning should be an integral part of any type of planning because like you rightly said, sometimes we do not plan to exit. It happens because life happens and we find mm -hmm. ourselves in situations where um exiting from the family business has to happen for the numerous reasons, um, including the ones you've mentioned. Um, and for families more so, I think the difficult part is, I, I'm, I'm trying to um, frame this from a conversation I had with my mom um, a few days ago, where mm. she comes from a generation where things were built to last. So, Everything, sure. whether it's furniture, whether it's clothes, the, the durability of anything manufactured was to last um, a lifetime or a human being's lifetime, should we put it. And sure. slowly with the incoming generation, with technology and everything moving as fast as, as it is, we've come to a space where there's a lot of options, more options than they were in the past. And as well as that inability to have things that last throughout our lifetimes. People want to be changing things um, every year or every two years. Um, as we all know, every year there's a new release of a certain brand of cell phones and everybody's going to replace their, their old cell phone. Not because it's not working anymore, but because a newer version has come out. And so with that thought process, we have a next gen that is being born into a world where everything is being changed really quickly. And the discussion yeah. of joining the family business and continuing a legacy that is focused on one industry or one way of doing things is no longer a valid conversation. Have you mm -hmm. come across this phenomenon or this um, thought uh, process? And how have the different generations that you have worked with being able to bridge this? I think that the ones who want to bridge the gap, figure out a way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm sure that you have run into this too, where we've got founders who so desperately want their children to take over the business, mm -hmm. but the children are, either not interested or not qualified or both. Absolutely. And, and, and accepting, right? Accepting the fact that it's not gonna go to a family member can be a really tough hurdle for these founders. But once they can get there and be okay with it and know that there's still gonna be light at the end of the tunnel and everyone's gonna have a great life, um, it just really opens the door for possibility and for them to be able to figure out a way that, and, and you know, if they're working with transaction people because they've discovered it's not going in the direction that they want for legacy, um, 
the most important thing they can do is work with transaction people, M&A people, right? Mm -hmm. Who actually understand the dilemma, understand how important the legacy is so that they can be very focused and narrow on their search for who might be the best fit acquirer for that business. Because not all you know, um, acquirers of businesses are interested in making all kinds of changes. Many of them want it to be the same as it is. They, they don't want to make any changes. They don't even want to change the leadership. They just want to make investments in businesses. There are plenty of buyers of businesses out there that are like that, that have no intention of making any changes. If it's working, why, why break or why fix it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that possibility. Another is um, just working with someone like you who has the background and the expertise to be able to help them have these difficult conversations about, okay, what could be possible, right? Um, Do we need to bring in an outside party or not? Um, Does the, the next generation have the capability of being able to carry on the family legacy without being the CEO? And do they need to be, right? Do they even need to work in the business? You know, so many times family businesses, it seems like they, they have it that, well, because I'm, a, I'm, I'm the next generation owner, that means I have to run the company. That means I have to be in the business. And no, you, you really don't. And sometimes that's what's best for the business. And so I think allowing ourselves to, you know, give ourselves permission to explore what that could look like um, can also be. Uh, super motivating, super healing, um, and kind of re-energize everybody uh, into taking this entity and making it be what it what it could be. So those are some of the conversations that I've had that I've I've worked with people like you who sit down and and it's almost like you're in mediation. <laughs> um, not always, but many times. I mean, you know, you've been doing it forever, um, and I think that that could be a way. I think it's just having having the mindset that. Um, not not a closed mindset, right? That my mind is open to what could be possible and how we could make this be a win for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's really important, more so because family businesses bring together those two distinctly different systems, which is the family system and the and the business system, and they don't right. always correlate to each other in the way we would like like them to and I think every family business owner started a family business saw this amazing picture of generations and generations of their family working together and building wealth together but the reality sometimes is not always as we would uh, want it to be and then that brings me to the process that you go through with families how do you Mm -hmm. walk through families when they are deciding whether they want to have an exit and what options are there for them. Um, I think just basically, what is your process? Sure. Good question. Well, first, I think it would be important for me to emphasize that I would probably be spending more of my time on the business system side of the family business than the family system. Okay. Uh, And I think it's the opposite for you, right? And so for me, Uh, in the work that I do, it's important for me to be able to collaborate with specialists like you, because I can't do it all. And honestly, I think it's unfortunate, but I think that there are advisors out there who think that they can do it all. And you just can't master 
um, everything, <laughs> right? There, there is never one advisor that has all the answers, but I think that if we collaborate together, we can get pretty close to having all the answers for the owners. And so I'm gonna focus on the business side and we're gonna take a look what's working, what's not, what does our strategic plan look like? How have we been implementing it? Do we have the right people in the right seats? How have we set up succession, not just for the family leadership, but also for key people in the, in, in, in the business, right? We're, there are gonna be plenty of non-family members in every business I work with right now who have aging key people. And how are they setting those people up? How are they setting the business up for a succession plan for what's in the heads of these key people? Because, you know, rest assured, every single key person out there has all kinds of intellectual property that's not been documented. If they've been with the company for a long time, everyone knows them. They do a great job in their leadership or management role. Um, not everything is documented. So it's really important that they, they have a succession plan as much as the owners and their next generation have. And again, I've seen so many times when that's not the case. So I really try to help set that up, um, implement the strategic plan. Of course, transition planning is part of that plan. And then depending upon the wishes of the owners, how much of that transition plan that's actually disclosed to other key leaders in the company is totally up to them. Um, I don't think that it's wise to never say anything. Uh, keeping it quiet doesn't make any sense to me because everyone around you knows that you're getting older. And what I find is if they keep it a secret and say nothing, then what they end up doing is creating anxiety within um, their teams, uh, the non-family employees, because they know that something has to happen. And if they don't have any security in the fact that there is going to be a transition and it's going to work out really well, and here's what our plans are, then they might think that there's something wrong with the business and maybe it's time for me to move on. I've seen that happen. And we don't want that to happen. We don't ever want to lose key people. So as far as, far as the, the planning and, and um, implementation go, so much of that is about the people. Because if we don't have good people and they're not in the right seats, then we don't have anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so we, we spend a lot of time on that. We look at growth. Um, many of my clients right now are actually looking at acquisition or in the throes of acquisition to grow. Um, there's some roll up opportunities out there that I think are going to continue. I think there'll be more of them. And so for your clients who are looking to strategically grow, that can be one really great way to grow versus growing organically, which obviously that's another option. Um, but, but I do uh, a lot of work that way as well as integration. So um, for instance, when I had a, a client who transitioned out a year and a half ago, they sold their business to a strategic buyer and the strategic buyer decided to keep me on to help with the integration of the two companies. And so we've just finished up the last of that and now we're in the throes of um, pursuing another acquisition. So um, it's kind of fun uh, to see that and to see the teams come together. And if you have a plan, it could be a super successful way to, to grow. Mm. Um, I love that option that the fact that you can, instead of just thinking of exit uh, planning, 
make it a merger, make it something that you can grow and collaborate with other people. And it gives that opportunity even for other members of the family to come in and to get involved in spaces they probably felt they wouldn't fit in previously. When you're faced with Eddie off the five Ds, as you mentioned them, what do you mm-hmm. think, which one have you seen to be the most difficult when it comes to transitioning for families? I know they're all equally dif- uh, difficult mm-hmm. in their own light, but then mm-hmm. in terms of the ones you've dealt with, which one have you found um, is necessary for families to really think on and start um, creating a, a plan that could help them if they ever faced with it? That's a good question. Um, you know, to your point, all of them are difficult and they can all present possibilities of derailment, right? That um, any one of those could take a business down and they do. But I think that one of the most difficult is disagreement um, because, you know, everybody's got their opinion. Um, you know, in this world, uh, we fight wars over being right, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and and people want to be right. And we sometimes stand in our position, you know, to our detriment. Mm-hmm. And when disagreement can't be resolved, then nobody wins. And that that can definitely um, just unravel everything. And, and the business can really suffer f- from that. So um, the remedy for that, of course, is good, solid articulate family governance documents, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Sitting down with somebody like you to really spell out, okay, who are we? What are we doing? Where are we going? How are we gonna get there? How will we lead? Um, When is it time for somebody in the family to be coming into the business? How do they go about doing that? How do we conduct ourselves? How do we conduct our meetings? All of those things that have to do with governance will really help prevent a lot of the disagreements that, that can occur that really just cause a stalemate and people go nowhere, which is really sad because it's so preventable. So that, that's what I see happen more than anything. I, I'm, what can I say? I'm awed that you uh, chose that particular D because I would be thinking death, divorce and all the other Ds are being, mm, those are pretty hectic, but then, after your explanation, yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, um, with if you if disagreement is if you plan around disagreement and conflict and how to handle it as a family, all the other D's are catered for just by being able to be able to communicate with each other, because I think communication is probably one of the hardest things. Um, yes. And I think even in exit planning. Um, if you have, let's say, parties within the family who don't understand why the exit um, is, is happening or why it should happen, if there is no communication, that can cause a lot of conflict during that transition. Am I right? Yeah, it really does. It really does boil down to communication more than anything. And, you know, uh, speaking of communication, taking that a step further and actually having documentation which Mm -hmm. is part of communication, right? Mm -hmm. So documentation in your shareholder agreement or your buy-sell agreement that actually spells out what happens if somebody dies? What happens if someone gets divorced? What happens if someone can't work? And for how long, 
right? Um, how do we value the business if somebody wants to get out? All of that is spelled out, you know, in those documents, as you know. And when business owners don't put those things together, then they're just kind of, they're kind of playing with fire, mm. right? Like, like I've heard um, kind of a funny saying around that is like, you've got one foot in the air and another one on a banana peel, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> kind of waiting for for the, the banana peel to slip out from under you. So um, it's super important and part of the communication is documentation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we wrap up today's episode of Enterprising Families, can you tell us your final thought? What is your final advice to everybody out there who's listening to this conversation we've had today, who's probably mm-hmm. facing exit planning or has thought of exit planning? Um, what would your final words of advice be to them? Well, if you're really serious about transitioning from your business at some point, you really need to know where you're at today. And part of knowing where you're at today is knowing what the business value is. So figure out what your business value is. Don't just come up with a number. Um, Many owners have much of their nest egg tied up in the business. And if that's the case, and you need that in order to maintain your lifestyle in the future, then it's important for us to know where we're at today because One of the biggest problems that business owners are facing right now, not sure if I mentioned this already, is the fact that values aren't where they need to be. Mm -hmm. And and so my focus for 2023 for entrepreneurs and the courses I teach and the the things that I write um, is to focus on growth of value, value acceleration, grow uh, grow your value, um, communicate with your team, not just your family, but your team. And then differentiate between the communications with the family and the communications with the team. Mm -hmm. Document, document, document. That's Mm -hmm. my advice. Thank you so much, Julie. I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed this conversation we had. Um, How can my listeners get hold of you if they want to find out more about the work you do or to learn more about how they can structure their exit planning through your services? Oh, for sure. Sure. I think that I would just uh, direct you to uh, the Poised for Exit website. I have two websites, but Poised for Exit would take you to the Poised for Exit podcast and the book I wrote. You can also find me there. A lot of downloads there for free that can help you with the thought process of getting the ball rolling. So poisedforexit.com would probably be the best way to get a hold of me. Thanks for having me on the show, Sitsi. This was great. Brilliant. Thank you so much.